Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready for some hot, steamy conversation? <laughs> I don't know how hot, it is. Good morning and welcome to Coffee Talk. I'm Soy, host of the fastest growing online talk show where we discuss real topics with real people in real situations. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Saturday, everyone, and welcome to Coffee Talk with Soy, your new morning show where real talk happens every Saturday at 10 a.m. You know, today, folks, is a very special Saturday uh, for me. It's a memorable one as well. There is a cancer walk going on right now at Wesleyan School in recognition for Lymphoma Awareness. And Lymphoma Awareness is a organization that's globally known. They have a chapter here in Georgia, and every year around this time they do uh, awareness events to um, bring light to blood cancer which is lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's, and Hodgkin's. It may be a surprise to some of you that I battle uh, with that form of cancer, even even now today, and it's been going on since uh, 2009. It's still a surprise to me that I encountered uh, something like that. You know, cancer kind of takes people by surprise when you, it took me by surprise, especially growing up trying to eat the right things and do the right things and never smoking and trying to stay away from things that we believe to uh, be cancer-causing uh, things in our lives, and yet you still uh, have a diagnosis with it. Well, today, folks, you're in for a treat. We're going to talk about uh, cancer in various forms. We have an amazing woman in the studio today who's going to share her story about how she dealt with brain cancer and how she's living with it today. We also have a phenomenal woman who's into health health and wellness by way of exercising and dieting, and she's going to be on the air with us as well. So I'm, I'm excited about the outcome of what you're going to learn in the next 30 minutes and, and what you're going to hear. So this is what I'm going to tell you. Normally I'm, I'm drinking a hot beverage. This, so today I have something cold because I felt that this conversation is going to be hot and steamy enough. So I'm drinking something chill, room temperature. Uh, and I will invite you to grab your favorite morning beverage, take out your pen and pad, take notes, and get ready for some real conversation here with Soy. Let me introduce my guest to you today before we start our, our dialogue. The first woman is Colette Henry. She's out of Long Island, New York, and she's a financial analyst, and she has been dealing with brain cancer. So welcome to the cafe, Colette Henry. Good morning, Colette. How are you? Good morning, Soy. Thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for being on the show with me today. And I want to bring on um, a phenomenal woman, Cora O'Kelly. 
She is a 20-year AFAA certified fitness instructor. So bring it on, Miss Guru. How are you? Welcome to the show. Fantastic. It's my favorite time of the day, early morning, so I'm happy to be here. <laughs> this is where we get it in and get it done, right? One of your favorite words. Get it done. Well, I I want to I want to uh I want to start out talking about um some things that kind of we think presets cancer. We 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 think we have um first of all, we think we have this this abundance time of life to deal with things that we really don't. But I want to first talk about some symptoms that people have or at least the ones that I had that led me to believe uh, that, that, that I had cancer, because I, I, it took me a minute. I, I didn't believe it. And one of the reasons why I didn't believe it, folks, is because I was walking and talking and functioning and operating just as I normally would do every day. I never had um, weight, drastic weight loss. I never had night sweats. I, I never had... Um, Chills. I never had um, visual lumps and things like that that they say that a lymphoma patient should have. So I was asymptomatic. I didn't have those symptoms. But what was happening weirdly in my case is that I was going for my physical, as we know me, then we go for our yearly physical, and we'd get a CBC, which is your complete um, blood workup, and you, and you look at that. And we should really get in the habit of paying attention to that. Uh, when we go for our physical, and they will send you your lab results, and you'll get them in the mail, and sometimes they may give them to you there, depending on how your medical facility is set up. But on that, it gives you information about your potassium level. It tells you about what your high blood pressure reading is. And generally for most people, it will give you your score. And then next to it, it gives you this uh it gives you your score And then it gives you this This um, Grading of where What's normal, what's not normal And then you can look at how you Factor in to that um, Chart and see whether You're in a good place or not And sometimes you can look at um, certain, um, certain Parts of that lab result And you may find that you may be on the low end of something because of your makeup in your body, your grandmother, your granddad, someone in your bloodline had something. So you may not be at a degree of, of um, where it's severe, but you may be in the area of caution. And you may want to watch that and then you start to do things that will help strengthen that area. So if you are likely to have high blood pressure and you may not be on medication or have certain um, certain um, strong signs, your lab results may show that it's affecting how your body functions and you should start doing something now. Well, for me, my my exophilia count was high, and that is how our body responds to foreign substances in my body. And they were saying that that percentage was extremely high. And looking at me, they could not understand why my body was what was going it's almost like driving a car and you never get your oil change and and that oil is just dirty and is filtrated and then over time things begin to break down so my blood was heavily filtrated with a lot of foreign things and my body was struggling trying to figure out what it was and fight it had i not 
been, uh, had I not responded and acted, my organs would probably have begun to shut down because, you know, we, we can't run a car with bad bad oil. We know that. You have to get, get your maintenance checked up, and that's what was going on with my body. And since I didn't smoke, I drank socially, uh, and I didn't have any other issues that were visible to me. I, I, I had a hard time believing that the information they were sharing to me was actually what was going on in my body. And so um, they began to do these tests, and then they found that there was some lumps inside my body that was not visible. Crazy, right? And one of the lumps that we ended up having surgically removed tested positive for stage 4 cancer, and that's when I knew that it, it was real. And on the side of my left ear, there was a, one of my lymph nodes that ended up taking out because it was the largest one that they could see under the microscope. And so we, we took it out. And when they tested it, 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 was, it tested positive for um, T-cell uh, lymphoma. And that's how I was diagnosed. So what was your diagnosis like, Cola? How, how did you, uh, what was your experiences that led you to getting the results that, that you got? Um, well, let's see. It all started when um, I was part of my company's running team. So I was just off to a, a regular race in Manhattan in New York. And I was, I was halfway, through, halfway through the race, and everything was going just fine. And I remember that the last thing I remember that I, I, I just started, I started turning in the opposite direction than, than um, going forward. And that was the last thing that I remembered on my own. And afterwards, witnesses told me that I, I was hopping on one leg and spinning in a circle. And... Um, then, then the next thing I knew, I woke up in the ambulance, and I was brought to I was brought to a hospital. So they they ran tests, they did a CT scan, they did, did an MRI, and the next thing I knew, the doctors were telling me that I have a, I have a tumor in my brain, and they're telling me that I need I need a surgery to get rid of the tumor, and this is just you know, happening so fast, you know, just within a, you know, a couple of days, they're telling me that I, I just have to have this, this surgery. And at this point, I had called my brother in to come into the hospital, you know, right away. You know, I told him I had a seizure um, to come into the hospital right away to, you know, tend to me, whatever. So he comes into the hospital. Then I call in my parents and, you know, they're all rallying in. So I have the surgery and then the doctors, they examine the tumor that they've taken out, and they tell me that it's malignant. And they examine mm-hmm. the tumor, and then they told me that it's um, a grade 2 glioma. And I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I'm, I'm in the hospital. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have, brain t- I have a brain tumor, and I'm like, I have cancer. And um, I'm a little bit shocked. But I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not really scared or anything, and I'm not petrified. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm taking it in stride. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. I'm like, okay, I have cancer. Now what? Now what's next? How do we go from here? And that's really the way that my mentality was at that point. I wasn't, I really, I took it in stride. And 
honestly, that's just the way I, that's the way I just thought up until this day. I'm not really scared about it. I'm just, I'm just living with it. I, I, I figure I can't do anything about it. And that's really just my mentality, honestly. Well, kudos, kudos to you, woman, that's power. Encourage. Unlike uh, <laughs> that, I was petrified, scared, and you know what? Cause I even somewhat, kind of, in, in embarrassed. I, I, I um, remember because I felt that the the strain and that I was putting on other people to help me to to deal with that. And I think that was my greatest fear. I think my greatest fear about it was, was feeling in enabled or feeling uh, uh, that I, I can't. And um, I mean, and that word was just so powerful um, cancer that we, we couldn't even use it. I remember I cried every day. I remember feeling um, sorry uh, for myself. And uh, I mean, after uh, like nine months of getting second opinions and flying over the country and giving all my money away, trying to ensure that, because all I had was the lab results and me. And so I would send the lab results to, to different um, specialists. And, I, and I, you know, we have cancer organizations all over the country. And different ones kind of specialize in different kinds of practices. And so I went to found the one that really did a lot of research and did a lot of work for lymphoma and all types of blood cancers. And, and before, leukemia and lymphoma was linked together. But lymphoma has grown so rapidly with over 200 and something different kinds of um, blood cancer that it's separated now and functions independently because of the rapid cancer growth. But we mm-hmm. know that what's in our blood is, is, is based on wh- what we eat. So after years, it took me time to kind of process that. But initially I was like, I don't want to die. I don't want to leave my kids, please. You know, and I just literally just handed my life over to the oncology department. Do what you got to do to save mm-hmm. me, you know. Yeah. And uh, I remember going through the chemo, and I, and that was, whoa, that was the hardest thing ever to do in, in my life. And so going through that and feeling like you're close to death, I remember sitting in the chair one day, and a patient said to um, her caregiver, well, it doesn't even matter anyway. They can't guarantee it's not going to come back. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it hit me then that, well, what the heck am I doing this for? Yeah. Why am I, you know, I, if this ain't going to fix it, then what am I going to do? Like, what, you know, and then so I started, because I, I couldn't tell, I couldn't have a conversation with, with, with them about really getting in, into my health care. Um, but, but, but they were good at, drawing maps of, of stem cells and join. Um, it, it, I felt like I was back in chemistry class where you had all of the uh, the diagram of the molecules and all that, and how it breaks down and the blood cycle happens every so often. And so I remember, I remember looking at that and them explaining it to me, but I, I was so inferior of it, kind of embarrassed that I couldn't even articulate it to people. And I think I was just overwhelmed with, like I don't even really have to work out, and you mean tell me I gotta stop fighting for my life? I don't really do crunches, you know what I mean? So this is <laughs> yeah. like a step from like nothing to something, literally, right? And yeah. 
really having to do that. So I I, I remember uh, feeling like that. And I remember my my mom saying, "Okay, well we don't, you know, we're gonna let you you can cry for fifteen twenty minutes, and then we gonna we gotta go. We got stuff to do. We don't have time for that." And I would yeah. get up for one foot or the other, but I would cry every day, every day. And then we found this organization called the Lymphoma Research Foundation, and I and they would have these monthly meetings where the patients would get together and talk. And it took a long time to find it because it's such it was such it, it was a rarer form than it is now, so it was really hard to find. But when when I did and I found the meeting and I walked into the room full of mostly white people, and they were just singing, and they were just happy and laughing, and I said, "What the heck is wrong with these people? They're all sick." And I mean, I don't think nothing funny about having cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how you can laugh. And so I and I was. You know, very apprehensive, but I sat there, and by the end of the meeting, I met with a guy, and he's like, well, you know, this was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I was like, I would never say that. I, I thought, like, I, I what? Are you kidding really? me? But, but what I learned, Colette, was that those people were, were living with it, and, and, and I didn't know that I would – End up being one of those people because my fear, like I said, I, I didn't, I, I could not let go of the stuff I had to do. I got kids mm-hmm. to take care of, got business to run, yeah. I, I got grass to cut. I, I don't have time for this. I don't have no room in yeah. my life to, to to manage a health issue. So how did how did you? What did you do to manage? What was your process? How did you manage all that that you had to do? Um. Well, let's see. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't really have like I didn't I didn't have a lot of responsibilities as far as like what you're naming. I didn't mm-hmm. have um, you know, I didn't have a a family at that point. I was on my own. So I didn't have that to to take care of. Um, I didn't have a business to run. Um, so you know, I was, I'm not going to say lucky in that respect, but I didn't have, I didn't have all, I didn't have, I didn't have all those things that I had to tend to, you know, and I'm on the downside, I was, I was by myself. So, I mean, that was, I, I guess you have to weigh like the good and bad. I don't know if that was a good thing or if that was a bad thing. I, I was all by myself. But on on the good side, I did have my family that was here to take care of me. But um, I didn't have all those responsibilities to take to take care of. So mm-hmm. that was that was a that was a plus on my side. Wow! But but you but you know what? Though? But you had you were having seizures any minute, any day. Yeah. What that you wasn't a you you know because with 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 you having the brain cancer you had a lot of seizures, right? Yes. Yes. How did um, were were you not afraid that you would be alone and 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 were you ever alone and had the seizures and no one was there? Was that a fear for you? Yes, I I was living alone for a long a long time while I was having the seizures, um, and it was a little bit it was very scary to to know that I was on here by myself. And it was very scary. I got to tell you, it was more scary for my family to know that I was living alone 
um, that I was having these seizures. For myself, I can sort of um, have like an aura that the seizures were coming, so I can just like have a moment to lay down on the floor when I know that the seizures were coming. I recall, but I recall there was one time I had a really bad seizure. I was able to get on the floor though, but the seizure was very bad. Mm-hmm. It lasts it lasts for about like twenty twenty five minutes, and um, mm-hmm. that one was it was really really bad. And um, luckily I had luckily I was on the phone with a friend of mine, and he knew that I was having a seizure, and wow. so he was so he heard me having the seizure. So he called 911 while I was on the floor having the seizure, and he called my super. So my super came into my apartment and um, mm. came to tent and came to tend to me. And my friend called the um, called 911 and called my sister. So the um, the police and the ambulance came to my apartment. The super came and um, came into the apartment also. So that was a really bad seizure that I had. And luckily my friend was on the phone while I was having the seizure. Otherwise I would have been in the apartment all by myself. So that was one seizure that I had that was really, really scary and petrifying for myself. But like all the other seizures that I had, like I said, I have like an aura that is coming so I can lay down on the floor and, you know, really relax and, you know, take care of myself. But like I said, it's really more petrifying for my parents and my family to know that I'm, I'm here by myself. I think that scares them more than it scares me. Have you, not, have you not changed that? Are you still living alone? No, I have my boyfriend here living with me by my, um, right now. So luckily, my gives my mother especially peace of mind. She says that now she's really grateful to him so that now she can finally get a good night's sleep. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> well, not only does prayer change things, cancer changes things. Let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, where we are now. Um, in, in hindsight, looking back, uh, we read and research that there are things that you can do that can help um, help uh, people with, with cancer. Depending on what kind of cancer you have, I encourage everyone to do some research, read up on it, find out um what is happening with your body and, and what you can do. That there there are some cases where food, diet and exercise does does help. Well I, I believe that it helps in all cases. Um it, it definitely has helped me. Uh we have our fitness guru on the phone who's gonna give us some tips about um what she's learned about food, diet and exercise and how it attributes to um certain types of cancer and, and ailments. Wow, I tell you, I feel so honored to be on a call with you two. What awesome stories the both of you tell. And um, it's just a testament to um, your belief and your faith and dealing with dealing with the hand that you were dealt that you probably wouldn't select it had you been given that opportunity. So um, kudos to the both of you for being such strong as source warriors for the things that are going on in your life. And of course, there are no absolutes. You guys have both attributed to that. You said that, you know, you've heard people say there are no guarantees. And um, Colette said that when she had her first seizure, she was actually running. So she obviously was an exerciser. 
So even in life, you can do all the things that you know to do, and you may still fall victim to some illnesses and diseases. But they say, some experts say, that four out of ten cases uh, of cancer can be prevented with some lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of those, of course, you've already mentioned, if you uh, work out, you are staying active. If you are not smoking or around smoking, uh, keeping a healthy body weight. Uh, a lot of people uh, are suffering from obesity, and that's because of the lifestyle, in most cases, that they're living. Um, cutting back on alcohol. So I said that she drank socially. So, you know, sometimes, like I said, doing the right thing may not always the the key to success and being healthy and well, um, eating a healthy diet. I think that's a big culprit for a lot of people uh, because there are so many um, additives and preservatives and things that are in the food that we consume these days because we're in a, a global market where we got to get it to the market fast and we got to sell it and we got to make all this money. It's all about dollars. And so, with that mentality in the world, uh, people are preparing foods in a way that's very detrimental to to consumers. Uh, um, another good one is um, getting the proper rest, uh, getting the proper amount of sunshine. Those are some basic things that we can do uh, to minimize the risk of getting cancer. And I'm going to touch on a couple of the big ones there that I mentioned, they all are important. There's not one that compensates for the other, but uh, changing your lifestyle to incorporate all these will probably be the best thing that we all can do. And that's of course more easily said than done, but eating the right thing. There are some foods that are higher in what we call antioxidants. And we probably all heard that word, but antioxidants help to heal damage to ourselves that's done from all these external things that causes us to get sick, like the smoking or drinking too much or, or eating the wrong food. And so you find antioxidants in fruits and vegetables. You're not going to find them for the mm-hmm. most part in these fast food joints. Uh, of course, a lot of them are selling some healthy things. But uh, antioxidants are found in fruits and vegetables. So you want to make sure that your diet includes a large percentage of these types of things that you eat. Uh, for example, there are some fruits that are higher in antioxidants than others, like your berries, uh, cranberries, blueberries. Uh, their beans, eat a lot of beans, beans uh, like kidney beans and um, or black beans. And then, of course, you have your vegetables. And one that's near and dear to my heart is kale. Kale is something that I learned about here recently, and I've done a lot of reading on it. But it's very high in antioxidants. And the more of these types of foods, kale and spinach, and the more of these types of foods that um, you uh, consume, the better you are off to uh, minimize the risk of getting uh, cancer. So, um, again, just consider a lifestyle change. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for that. That was from the fitness guru. She does um, blogs and and put information out there. Cora O'Kelly, find her on Facebook. 
Colette has um, books that she's written, Get Out of My Head, one of the books that she's written about her cancer story. And she also has inspired me and edited a book, one of my first pieces that is, is a collective of um, material from other people who have had cancer. Colette, you want to tell them real quickly where we can get a copy of your book and where they can find you on Amazon, right? Yes, she is on Amazon, Colette A. Henry. Uh, Also, before we leave, I want to do a plug for Kirk White. He's from One-on-One Stepping. He does cancer awareness events. Every year in October, if you're listening to the show, you'll see images um, posted that tells you about anti-food, anti-cancer food products that you should eat and consume. Also, flyers about Kirk's events that's going on there. Colette's books are there. And you know where to find me, coffeetalkwithzoe.com, online, on your social media sites. And you know what? I'm always here every Saturday. You can count on that. Let's fight cancer together. Because we're stronger. For more information, go to your cancer dot uh, org and find the cancer that is um, uh, addressing your your issues or the ones that you're battling or dealing with. There's a lot of support out there. I can't tell you how much information is on the internet. It's very overwhelming. But you know what? We we can do this. And as Colette and I said, you can live a healthy, happy, quality life despite your diagnosis. Be brave, guys. Have a great weekend, and thanks for listening. Bye-bye.